0: Good morning, church. I'm gonna add my happy Father's Day to to all of you guys. Um, I second what Melanie said that whether you have biological children or maybe you have today in a blended family, stepchildren. That I I truly believe. I'm t- just push pause on the message for a minute, and uh, I truly believe a lot of the ills of the world and the ills things going on um, in our society across racial boundaries across. Even now through generations, a big problem what we have today is there are dads who aren't stepping up and doing what they should be doing. So for you to be here and you encouraging your family and praying for your family and leading your family, um, major kudos because there's there's a lot of issues I think that could be solved if dads would be what God created them to be um, and do that and be a father to their children. Amen? Amen. Well, let me stop just one more second and say hello to all you guys that are visiting with us online, you're traveling, um, let me remind you all, for you in the room and if you're traveling that um, our team does a great job of keeping us online live and then on demand through the week. So I just want to encourage you to stay connected. Don't get, uh, get off in the summertime and not only disconnect with your church family, but it's really easy for us to get disconnected with God. And so I want to encourage you as, as we go about our summers and we travel and uh, different holidays and all of the things that go on in the summertime, don't let your families, don't let you get, become disconnected from us, the church family, and from God. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going um, <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, we're going to jump into this, this series we've been doing this summer. And Melanie opened it last week. And uh, I want to reiterate some things that we. We really wanted to take a few weeks this summer and give you something practical, something you could walk out and use in everyday life. And it's some things I think that we don't think about every day um, because we are so consumed with life. And these things will help you have a successful walk with God to really have all that God's promised you and a life that includes God in your life. And we want I want you to, to take these things to heart And as we go through them Maybe save some notes and go back and look over and remind yourselves, because everything we're going to give you last week and then in the few weeks to come is something that you're probably going to use on a weekly, if not a daily basis. Melanie started with this last week, and I want to remind you of this, and I thought it was a great line. That invisible does not equal imaginary. See, a lot of us think that just because we can't see it, it's not real. Or if I close my eyes and just ignore it, it's not real. Well, the truth of the world we live in is that there's this physical world, but there's also this spiritual world, this thing's going on that we can't see. And I think sometimes we want to put blinders over our eyes and just pretend it doesn't happen. But see, I want us to be able to understand that there's a spirit world out there, that God gave us these tools not just to fight, and they are to fight, to push back when the devil comes at us. But the key we seem to miss sometimes is to fight and win. Because if you don't know, and I'll just let you in, I hate if I ruin the book for you, but when we get to the end, we win. The problem is, we don't live that way in the middle. We just try to fight to exist and not fight to win. And that is not how God created us to be. That a life led by the Spirit of God um, is one living full. Melanie talked about the belt of truth. Last week, the Bible says that we're to gird ourselves with this belt of truth. And really, if you look at the, the Roman armor that they were talking about, everything rested on that belt. That belt, was that truth belt was made to bear the weight of everything else. And you'll see that some more as we read today. So I am going to read kind of the verses that we're hanging our hat on for a few weeks here in Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to read through 13 and then give you your, your armor pieces today. Paul's writing this, he says a final word. He's encouraged them all, so all a bunch of different stuff, and he ends in Ephesians like this. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. In other words, you can use it. Put on all the armor of God so that you will be able to do what? Say this with me, to what? Say it one more time, to? Does it say to fall down? Does it say to give up? Does it say be aware because you're not going to be able to do it? No, it says you're going to be able to stand against everything the devil throws at you. In the next verse, in verse 12, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Just pause right there. That's a lot of, a lot of words for to say, to say the devil. And you might not see it. Remember, just because it's invisible doesn't mean it's pretend or imaginary. It's still there. And Paul's warning us, Hey, that's not what you're fighting against is not the person beside you. But the, the thing coming against you, and that thing is the devil. And he's reminding us of that. It goes on in verse 13. It says, therefore, let me give you a little piece, a little piece of uh, seminary instruction. You may have heard me say this before. But when you read the Bible, and you read this word, therefore, stop. Because the old adage is, you want to see what therefore is therefore. And it's, what, it's the way the Bible says, hey, wait a minute, I'm about to tell you something you need to pay attention to. This is like the old-fashioned va- old version of a highlighter or a flashing light that says pay attention. So when you read your Bible daily, like I know we all are, right? That's not the response I wanted, but Father's Day, we'll let it go. Therefore, it says put on every piece, not some, not one, not just what you think you need for the day, Put on every piece of the armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. See, that's an important line there, in the time of evil. It may not be evil right now. We can hang out here right good. We can, we, can, we can have church, we can feel good, but there are times when you walk out there, the Bible says the devil just unleashes. He tries to come after us, to knock us off of our game. And he says, when that time comes, you need to have it all on so you can stand. Then after your battle, you will still be what? Standing firm. Doesn't mean you're not going to get hit. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through some hard times. One of the things I really just despise as a pastor is when people lead people to Jesus. And say, and Okay, everything's going to be perfect now. No, your eternity's secure once you meet Jesus. But how many of you have been saved for more than 10 minutes, have had a problem since you got saved? That's the world we live in, the fallen world. The devil still comes at us. We even create our own problems. And then in verse 17, I want to give you today's, I'm going to give you two pieces today. It goes on in verse 17, and we're out of order, so when you read these, they're going to be in a different order. It says, put on your salvation as a helmet. See, today's helmet of salvation, we need to know this. Salvation is just not simply eternity. That's a big piece of it. That's the starting point, the, the, the starting line. When you receive Jesus, the Bible says that your eternity is now secure with him forever. But if we're honest, salvation is not to be just experienced one time. It's to be lived out. Salvation is a process. See, you actually, it's, the Bible says of, of God that he is yesterday, today, and what? Okay, well, let's look at this in the, in the t- context of salvation. See, salvation pays for the penalty of sin. That's your past. It pays for the power of sin. In other words, anybody honest, it's only 1040. Anybody dealt with like a sin issue this morning? A thought? You thought something like, I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. See, it's normal because the Bible says that there's sin still here and it's trying to influence us. It has a power. And salvation protects us from that and delivers us from it. And then it says the third thing, the presence of sin in the future. The Bible says that his his light is a lamp into my path. It tells me which way to go. God will direct you around these traps of the enemy. But why a helmet? Why do you think God chose a helmet? See, in, in Roman armor, which is what Paul would have been familiar with, the helmets were proudly displayed on their heads. And the higher in rank you got, the more ornate it got. The more stuff was on it. And it meant something. It's just like in modern military with well, you have the stripes and the stars, and the more stars you get, the bigger deal you are. Well, the same is true here with the, the Roman helmets. But these were also not meant to just show people something. There is part of salvation that I believe that the, that God teaches us that he even says it in the Bible, that they'll know my people by what? By their fruit. By, they'll see you and think something different about you. So it's to be seen. But they were meant to take blows, and Paul understood this um, about Roman armor. And I'm going to give you maybe a little different slant than you've heard. It's by no means new, but I want, it's what I want to hang our hat today. See, I think Paul was painting an image of putting on a helmet of not only displaying our salvation but protecting our mind and our thoughts. Because those helmets were made to protect the head, to protect, protect that soldier's ability to think and to, to, uh, to function. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. It says, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. This is Paul writing. In my mind, I really want to do what God tells me to. But because I'm still dealing with this sin flesh... I'm kind of stuck. And Paul r- recognizes, even in Romans, hey, I've got to do something with this beam between my ears. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want, I would hate to think that God is limited to fit in between here. Because if he is, we're all in trouble. Because there ain't a whole lot of space in here. I don't care how smart you think you are. The Bible says God is bigger than we can think or imagine. And Paul says, listen, I need to have my mind to think like he does. Again, I'm going to give you a lot. This is a lot of Paul's writings. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, in other words, salvation comes through him, says to throw off this thing which, which really led you around by your nose and had you under control, which is corrupted by the flesh and by the things that we want, the lust and deception, and in verse 23, instead, let the Spirit, notice it's a capital S, it's talking about the Spirit of God in us, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Now again, I ask you, it's 10.43 this morning, how many of you have had to ask God, I need you to help me in my thoughts? <laughs> I shouldn't have thought that, I shouldn't be thinking about that, I shouldn't have said that, even if you said it to yourself about somebody else maybe typed out an email and was ready to hit go and God slowed you down and said, that's not a good thought to be sending out this morning. The Bible says of of, of us that it can renew, the salvation helmet, the, the making us new, can renew our thoughts and our attitudes. You see, putting on your helmet is comparable. It's, com- it's comparable to taking the identity of Christ and putting it on top of your head. It's like us wearing a, uh, a baseball hat or a hat that you when you put it on you're really saying hey and there's usually in all of our hats which by the way a little early warning we have some hats coming out in the future so y'all be excited I'm excited I like baseball hats um, and some visors too but it says knowing who you are in Christ listen it's putting on your identity that's what we're doing and it, it also lets us shore up your thinking that my thinking is based on not what I can conjure in my intelligence, but on the salvation, the truth of the of, of what God says I am, what he says I can have, where he says I can go, what he says he'll do for me. And then it also living our life in the way that is compatible. So that when my life is laid next to the truth of the word of God, they're going in the same direction. There are things in our life, if we're honest, and if you're visiting today, just... Let me be your pastor for a minute and then we'll bless you to go back to your home church or if you're watching online There are things in all of our lives whether you want to admit it or not That are askew from God Truth is going this way and then our lives are kind of little just a few degrees off. We're doing pretty good But we're, we're ignoring the thing that makes us move the thing that makes us drift away from what God has for us You see Salvation is the, just this. Salvation is confidence in my identity. My identity, which is not as Clint, this man, it's as Clint, the son of God. That was a great place to amen, so I'm going to back up and say it again. My identity, your identity, is not about Clint, this physical man here. My identity, according to the Bible, is as a child, a son of God. Amen. You have that too. Yeah, you can, it's okay. You're in church, you can clap. Some of us need to celebrate that. That was pathetic. (laughs) We'll move on. Some of us need to celebrate. Some of us need to look back and go, thank God he doesn't identify me as what I was doing last week, last year, ten years ago. I may not be perfect, but you should have seen me ten years ago. You should have seen me last year. In some cases, even in my own life, you should have seen me last week, I was not the, that was not the identity I was, I was living out. See, theres I have a list that I found, on, I've had it for a while, um, and if you want it, I'm going to put this whole list, it's actually in your live notes, and I'll put them online um, when we're done, on Facebook and, uh, and on the YouTube. I've got a list of 50 verses that tell you what your identity is, and I'll post the entire list. But here's just four. The first one, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm completely forgiven. There is no gray area. I cannot be separated from the love of God. And I can have the same what? Mind. Put on the helmet of salvation. I can have the mind of Christ. And there's, there's a bunch more on the list. And sometimes, let me help you. You may need to do this. You may need to take you a few, print them out and stick them on your mirror. Or put them on your phone. And in the morning go, I am a child of God. I don't feel like it, but I am a child of God. That I don't feel very loved right now, but the Bible tells me that I can't be separated from the love of God. And you may actually have to say it. I don't know if you're like me. I'm a very auditory and visual learner. I can write it down all day long, but if I say it and I hear myself say it and I hear you say it, then it sticks. And Sometimes we have to overcome the tenacity of our flesh, and and begin to plant those seeds that we're actually believing what God sees about us. You see, putting on the helmet of salvation, again, is actually, I believe, putting on your identity in Christ. That when I'm saved, I may have been this, but according to the Bible, this is now how God sees me. I may have lived that way, but now according to what Jesus is doing in me, This is the direction I'm going. And see, we need to understand that because we struggle with this idea of our identity. Even in today's world, and I'm not going to delve today and I have some pretty biblically-based firm beliefs on identity. But if you look across the landscape today, you can be whatever you want. And yet Christians struggle with this idea of identifying myself with my Savior, or identifying myself with the God who gave His only Son for me. If you look across the the news, I'm sure today you watch the news through the week. There are people choosing to be things they physically can't be, whether it be even whether it be in your sexual identity. We saw I saw a, an interview with a lady, um, and it just happened to be a lady. This is not on all ladies. This lady who identified as a tree, a tree, and sued the state, of, you can Google it, look it up, you'll find it, and sued the state of California because she wanted to marry a tree. And she won. And there's a lady that's legally married to a tree. Now, we can get into all the gender identity stuff, and there's, we all got our opinions and the medicalness of that. But I'm pretty sure you're not a tree. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I took, in college I had to take the dummy biology because I was a business major and science was just dumb to me anyway. So I took the dummy biology. I think I figured out that I'm not a tree. And I can't become a tree. And I can't create new trees for me. The only thing I know I can create is the Emma and the Mabel's. More me and more Melanie. But see, we identify, we, we put on the identity of Christ and we just struggle with it. We struggle with saying, I am a child of God. Well, I can't be a child of God. Clint, you don't know what I've done. Well, then you're not understanding what the Bible says that you've been made new, that you've been forgiven. I encourage you to read through this today. I'm going to give you a second piece of armor. We talked about the helmet and the second piece of armor Deals with us thinking about how we see ourselves in Ephesians chapter six, verse 14, it says, "Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth That's what Melanie talked about last week. and this version says the body armor of god's righteousness." Some other translations translate that, translate that the breastplate of righteousness. And again, if you look at the Rome, what Paul would have been referring to was Roman armor, and it was depending again how how high-ranked you were, how wealthy you were, that piece of armor that fit over your chest came down to your belt and actually rested again. So this is, this is big, when you, if you'll just let yourself ponder it for a minute, that my rightness with God rests totally on the truth that Jesus came and died for me. So the breastplate of righteousness rested on the belt that had to hold up stuff, that had to help keep all the weight up and I I think we struggle with that because it's the body armor of God's righteousness and if you don't know what righteousness is I'll give you the slide here righteousness is simply this it's me being a me and be me being good with God me being right standing with God if you remember in the Old Testament the when the priests used to have to go in and make atonement for our sins. On a regular basis. And when the priest would go in, this is before Jesus, and the priest would go in, they would tie a rope to his leg, and the robe he wore had bells on it. And if the bells stopped jingling, then something's wrong. And it was simply this, because if man got in front of God and was not perfect and followed all the rules perfectly, what happened? He's out. And they drag old Johnny out and go, up next. I mean, wouldn't you like to be number two after number one just got drugged out by the rope? Somebody else head in. And that's the way the Bible says that we couldn't stand before God because we are not right. When sin entered the world, it, be, it prohibited us because God can't look at or be around or be tainted by or be influenced by anything that's not right. We can never do this on our own. We've been trying for thousands of years since God, since Adam and Eve fell, we've been trying to figure out how do I make myself right in front of God's eyes. We do it now all the time. We do it and, and a lot of us, I think, don't even realize we're doing it. Some, some of you maybe are doing like the weight loss programs and hopefully you're doing it for the right reasons to lose weight, to I'm succeeding at gaining weight so I'm not losing weight and I'm very fruitful at it. But that plan doesn't impress God. I can lose 50 pounds and be as ripped as ever. All it does, I had a friend tell me one time, he said his later, his dad in his later years, uh, in the 60s and 70s, got real active, lost a bunch of weight, and before his dad died, he, he said, my only regret is, is I didn't spend some of that time with you, But then he said, but the positive is, there's less of me to carry when y'all got to bury me. And in a way, he's right. That in the end, God's not going, gosh, you lost 50 pounds. I'm sure glad now we we can fit you in heaven. That's not how God looks at this. The Bible says that we can't do this on our own, that righteousness is this free gift, and it's seen in that helmet of salvation. It's something that that in our righteousness, the, the plate actually protected the vital organs. It again is a defensive tool because the Bible tells us that there, the devil throws fiery darts at us, he throws stuff at us, and that was meant to protect us. And I see, I think the problem with it is again, we struggle with this because we want to do it on our own and we don't let it protect how we're supposed to see ourselves. Look what Jesus said. This in Matthew twenty two thirty seven. It says, "You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind." Now, if you don't know this, it's okay. A lot of us don't really think about it. But the Bible's, the Bible figured this out way before psychologists did. That we are just like God. We're triune beings, right? You you, you have a body. You are the real you is a spirit that lives in the body, and you have a soul. And that soul is your, your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts. And I would really never pondered this until this week, and I was reading, uh, reading somebody who was teaching on it, and they said, biblical view of your heart, when you read in the Bible, it says, and the heart, and my heart, or your heart. It really was an intersection of these four things that were behind me. That your mind, which is your thoughts, your will, which is the ambition, the thing that's driving you to do right and maybe not do right. The emotions, the things that we feel, a lot of us live by our emotions, and the truth is your emotions will lie to you. Your emotions will tell you something is true when it's really not. And if you live by your emotions, and you probably know people who do, they're all over the place. Because it's whatever the emotion says today is the way I act, and it's not how God created us to be. And then it says your conscience, which is this moral compass, which for us, our true north should be pointing toward God's word. And the Bible says of our righteousness that I think it protects, our righteousness protects, this breastplate protects, this intersection, and helps my mind be on him, helps my will, the thing that drives me to be given by him. It keeps my emotions in check. It keeps my moral compass, my decision-making in this paralleling, God's truth. Let me give it to you this way. If you're thinking about how this works physically, if I like imagery and I, this works in my head. That God's truth are the train tracks. You think about the tracks running through town or running down the road. God's truth, that's, the, that's representing God's truth. My righteousness is the train that rides on those tracks. Now this is not a trick question. Let me ask you this question. Can the train go somewhere that the track doesn't? No. Now, don't tell me they can fall off and stuff can break and it can derail. I know some of you are thinking, well, yeah, it can because it can fall off. We've seen it. Yeah, they do derail. But trains, if the track goes to Savannah and I want to go to New York, how successful am I going to be in going to New York? I'm not because the track, the truth is taking me towards Savannah. Savannah. And our righteousness, the Bible says, I think, it literally rides on those tracks. That's why the helmet of salvation is so important, because it keeps our thoughts, our minds, going in the same way that God wants us to go. Again, in the Bible, this intersection of all of this in my mind, my will, my emotions, my conscience, is protected. You see, these are also also the places that the devil attacks, he attacks you in your mind. He tells you you're not worth it. He tells you you can never, you'll never fix that. He attacks your will. He begins to try to motivate you to do things that you know you shouldn't be doing. He takes your direction. He takes your, your um, conscience and begins to say, oh, that's okay this time. We'll just skip that this time. It'll be okay. You see, we're not staying on those tracks. But if you remember, the Bible says that salvation and the righteous that we get from it the bible says is a free gift again you can't do it on your own okay clint well then how do i how do i receive this righteousness how do i know i have it i'm glad you asked let me show you in romans chapter 4 verse 22 it says because of abraham's faith this is in the new testament talking about the abraham of the old testament you've if you've been in Sunday school or been around church at all, you remember Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. And it said, because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as, say it with me, as righteous. righteous. He looked at Abraham and said, well, I see the faith of this man. And the Bible actually says, there's no, I'm not seeing faith like this anywhere else. And he says, I see righteousness. But look what it goes on to say. Again, this is Paul writing to the Romans. He says, And when God counted him as righteousness, it wasn't just for his benefit that it was recorded. And the word, God didn't say, Hey, write this down so you'll remember it. He said, write this down because people coming after you are going to need to be reminded of this, this fact. That for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count you and me as what? As righteous if we believe. The Bible says of salvation, let's walk through the process, that for somebody new, and this may be some of you this morning are watching online, the Bible says that when I, when I come to God, not knowing him, not saved, and I say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You came for me, you died for me, you resurrected for me, you're now sitting at the right hand of the Father. I believe it in my heart, I confess it with my mouth. Notice it's covering all these areas. I believe that. Then the Bible says, when I believe that, the one that, who Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible says salvation is mine, but now when I believe it, and, and I, I maybe even say it when I can't figure it out, that I'm confessing, God, I believe you. I can't see this healing yet, but I believe it. I can't see this problem work out yet. That like, Just like Abraham did, the man of faith, the Bible says that God looks at you too and says they're right with me. And the end result of that rightness, the Bible tells us, is being able to go boldly in to Daddy's room. I'll never forget one time when, when Mabel was little. If, you, if y'all don't know Mabel, my 13-year-old, when she was, she was walking early, she came out talking, like, in full sentences. She actually, the doctor one day asked Melanie, um, now, is she putting two or three words together? And Melanie just rolled her eyes and looked down at Mabel and, uh, of course, Mabel wouldn't say anything. But as soon as the doctor went out, Mabel gave a doxology on why she didn't say anything when the doctor was there. In perfect English, you know, perfect tense and everything. So, Mabel's been talking a um, long time ago. And for a, lot, for a lot of us, we struggle with this idea of, of our righteousness. And we think that maybe my abilities are going to get me somewhere. And the truth is, they don't. Mabel's smarts, and as smart as she is, even at that age, didn't suddenly make her her right with God. The day that she said, I I believe this Jesus, the Bible says now, her righteousness, that God sees her through the lens of Jesus. see, the problem is, what, let me tell you this way. What the breastplate does for us is it defends us from trying to get right with God on our own. Religious people would say this, that you have to be perfect to come to God so that you can be counted righteous. But see, perfection is discouraging. How many of you have ever tried to be perfect? Well, let me put it this way, since we're Father's Day, men. How many of you said, like, this week, you know, I messed up last week. I wasn't good to my wife. I wasn't good to my spouse. I didn't act the right way. But I'm going to be the perfect husband this week. See, not many of y'all are dumb enough to say it, but I did. How long does that last? <laughs> About that long. Something The devil's like, yeah, you, I got you now. And then, you're, you know, you're, you're watching the national championship football game, and the kid comes in and goes, I want to watch Story of the Explorer, and changes the channel. I don't think we all react very well. Somebody scratches your new car. We don't react very well. See, it's little things like that that we laugh. (laughs) That's funny, yeah, but we all do it. But see, that's enough to consider yourself unrighteous, imperfect, you can't go to God. But God said, I got to figure out a way to overcome this, because they're never going to be perfect. And all these years, 2,000 years that we spent, thousands of years are being spent with us trying to figure out how to be perfect. And then you fail. And it just gets old. You just keep trying it. There's some things that I've been working on in my life, and we've been working on even some things here at the church for over a year now. And it just makes you want to bang your head against the wall. Like, really? Again? We thought we fixed that. No. We thought we, okay, this is be the solution. No, it's not perfect over and over. It becomes discouraging. Well, then you hit the second kind, and the second kind is comparing. The other way we make ourselves feel worthy to go to God is we compare ourselves to somebody else. Well look at Keith. Well, I got to be better than him. I mean, look, he's got that big old beard. That's, he's got to be a sinner because he's got a big old beard. I got a nice short beard. That makes me better. Or we find all these silly things. Well, they smoke or they drink, or look at their marriage, or look how they... I'm... I, I'm I am righteous, more righteous than them. Well, it's really irrelevant. Because then we're deceived because I think, well, I'm more righteous than Keith. Well, I get to go to God and he doesn't. No, you don't. If he's unrighteous for doing whatever and you're unrighteous, it doesn't matter what you're unrighteous for. The fact is you're unrighteous. And that just becomes deceiving. Well, see, the righteousness that God gives us The Bible tells us we are counted. Counted is just another term for confirming. They've got it. I see it. He's got it. She's got it. God's acknowledging it. The Bible says it's counted as. See, what that's doing is just defining us. That is going back to the, the, the list that I gave you. That's in your notes of this is who God says I am. This is what God says I am. That the breastplate keeps us confident in my identity as a, this is big and I wrote it out long, I didn't like it this long, but I wanted to make sure we got it. I'm confident in this idea that my identity is that I'm forgiven and I'm a righteous what? Say it with me, a child come on, say it with some gusto I am a child of God. you can't be an unrighteous child of God. There's no such thing. The Bible says the only way you and I can become righteous, ushers, you can do your thing become righteous is by putting on that hat of salvation, that helmet of salvation, and wearing it proudly and letting it identify you, letting it say, I am a child of God. See, the breastplate defends us from the attack of the devil. Your righteousness not being defined by your past, the things you've done, but that you know this, that I am declared righteous by God. I don't know who it is. I I just had to take a minute this morning as I was kind of preparing notes and reviewing, thinking about today. I had to remind myself of this because people look at me, and by the way, don't put specialness on a pastor. We put our pants on just like you and fall out of them just like you and can't fit in them just like you. It does. We have... I just, sometimes I let that weight get on me. And I start thinking, well, God, I, I can't be righteous because I don't even know if I can be a pastor anymore. I just My mind's in a thousand places thinking on things I shouldn't be. I struggle. I'm angry. But the Bible says that I have been declared righteous by God. And God doesn't look at me through somebody else's measure. He doesn't look at me through my own measure the Bible says he looks at me through the lens of his son, Jesus. Had heard a pastor one time say that everything that God looks at as humans, that you're either red or black. If you're black, he can't see you because the Bible says he can't look upon sin. But when you're given righteousness and your sin has been forgiven, the Bible says that he now sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus that's where we need to be that's why the god says i'm giving you this righteousness to protect you to keep you on the tracks going the right way i've given you this helmet to protect your mind and your thoughts to keep you going in the way that i want you to go that it does mean that something's been changed in our lives if you would bow your head close your eyes i'm going to read this verse to you and then i'm going to pray i'm going to pray for you there's a verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Again, Paul's writing to this church, and he says that anyone who belongs to Christ, I've said, that you say, God, I'm receiving this salvation, I'm putting it on my head. God, I, I repent. I'm sorry. I just need your help. That anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. And Here's where I think we struggle. Here's where I've struggled in recent weeks. That the old life is gone. And there's not just a new life, but it starts now. That a new life has started. And maybe some of us in the room, maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, I knew God, I'm serving God, but where I am today, I, I don't know that I'm still living this out. I've gotten off the tracks. Or for you, the Bible says that it's just a matter of repentance. God, I'm sorry. I'm coming home. Help me stay on the right track. For maybe some of you say, Clint, I've never really done this. I know I feel like I need it, but I don't know how to. The Bible is simple. The Bible simply says that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. You confess it with your mouth. You believe it in your heart. And maybe right where you sit online or in the room, you can simply a quiet prayer to God. I believe that. I don't know how to walk, I don't know where to go now, but I believe I need your help. And when you do that, the Bible says that salvation, that helmet is yours. And now we begin to work on the thoughts. Now the Bible says that it's counted as righteous. Stop trying to fix things, because you're not going to be able to do it. The only way things get fixed is when the one who built us fixes us. We're never going to be able to do it on our own. And God, I thank you. For everybody in the room, maybe those that just prayed this prayer, that said, God, I'm coming home. God, I need your son, Jesus. God, that the helmet of salvation would fit snugly on their head to guard their thoughts and their minds as the devil tries to convince them otherwise. God, that the breastplate of righteousness would guard their mind, their will, and their emotions and keep them centered on you, riding on that track that is the truth of God. And God, we thank you today, as he, even when we celebrate fathers, that God, you're our heavenly father, continue to lead us, guide us, that we follow you and follow the truth of your word. Even when we don't understand, even when we maybe can't even explain it, that just like with Abraham, that God, we believe it. I Have faith that you are who you say you are. You'll do what you said you would do. I am who you say I am. And God, my faith says that, and that you look at me and count righteousness. And God, we thank you for it now. God, I thank you as we we begin to sing and we worship, that God, we begin to surrender our lives and follow you and quit trying to make our own path. God, I thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Why don't you stand with me real quick? fathers i just want to remind you really all the guys we got something special for you on the way out make sure you get that if you feel if you said hey i'm making that decision today shoot that qr code and shoot us your name and info so we can send you some encouragement and things you can do next again if you need prayer over to my right your left i think pastor bob's over there today and and his wife tammy they'd love to pray with you don't leave today if you need prayer again like melanie said you can shoot that same qr code Send us your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you. Put that and stand with you before God. So be sure to do all of that. No dads, again, I encourage you. Keep being the voice of God in your families. Keep being present. Even when it looks like you're failing and not working, don't leave. Don't give up. Don't bail. Amen? Amen. Let me bless you, and then we're going to sing one more song. God, I thank you. Again, as we march out of here today, in your truth and your word, I thank you. God, that helmet of salvation protects my head. That breastplate protects my soul. And all that my thoughts and my emotions keeps me going to you. God, I thank you that as we leave today and celebrate dads, God, you encourage them, you strengthen us to be able to speak life into dark situations, bring a light into those dark situations, and stand firm with the people that you put in our lives, our kids, our stepkids, even boys and girls and kids that aren't ours. But, God, that we can choose to stand because just why you put us here. And we thank you for it now, Father. In Jesus' name. And everybody said.